scary girl. Okay. Hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. I'm, <laughs> I'm Stephanie. Were you going to say I'm Sarah? No, I don't know what I was going to say. Oh. Okay. And this is This I is I Seen it. it. Take two. <laughs> well, I guess not. Because you're going to tell me something else. No. Uh, so just like our last episode of our podcast, we had a recording issue with the last episode of uh, I Seen It. So I told Sarah all about the movie Bird Box with Sandra Bullock, the Netflix exclusive. Um, and how the scariest part to me were the people that weren't affected. Well, like, not that they weren't affected, but that they didn't kill themselves, but that they got other people to look at it. And they were like, it's beautiful. Um, and that you most importantly never saw the monster, <laughs> which is, I, you box. know, it's a horror movie tactic. I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, uh, no, nope, don't like it. Don't like that. Mm-mm. But apparently it's because they tried to film with a scary monster and Sandra Bullock couldn't take it seriously because it looked ridiculous. So they were like, you know what? It'd be, you know, be even scarier if you didn't see it, which I don't agree with. Um, but what I like about the movie we're going to talk about today, which is A Quiet Place. Um, the other, the, the counterpart, almost. The well, counterpart. Not... So instead of the movie where they couldn't see, it's the movie where they had to be quiet because things could hear them. It's kind um, of like Ants versus A Bug's Life. What A Quiet Place did really well is they showed you the monster in the first, like, ten minutes so you didn't, you weren't curious about that anymore. You were ready to, like, pay attention. So good on you, director John Krasinski, <laughs> who is also actor John Good job, Krasinski. Jim. Um, Sarah is a big fan of The Office, if you didn't already know. Oh, huge. Huge fan That's of The like Office. I'm listening to their podcast. Yeah. They have, oh, well, not, not John Krasinski, but um, Jenna Fisher, Pam, and Angela Kinsey, Angela. They have a podcast now where they're going back and rewatching the show, and it is delightful. That precious. Go check it out. I hit this shameless plug. There you go. So there's Good another up. great movie out there called A Quiet Place, which I liked a little bit better than Bird Box. And while it is also directed by John Krasinski, it is starring John Krasinski and his real-life wife, Emily Blunt, and uh, a young actress by the name of... What is her name? Um, <laughs> it just says starring Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. I'm like, no, uh, there was an actress There are who two actually, very other important people. Who is actually deaf. Uh, Millicent Simmons is her name. And she... Right, yeah, she was actually deaf. She is an actress who is deaf who played their daughter who is also deaf. Let's see. I'm like, is that the one who... I'm not going to say that part yet. I was like, am I forgetting that they had this, <laughs> they had another kid? Because <laughs> um, they have an older son named Noah uh, and a young son named Bo, okay? Um, but I, I just remember um, the daughter and, like, the young son. I don't remember the older son, but I'm like, okay, you say there is. Is that because he, he dies? Which one? Um, so the older one. <laughs> so um, throughout the first three months of the year 2020, most of Earth's human and animal populations have been wiped out by sightless extraterrestrial creatures. The creatures, oh which attack anything that makes noise, have hypersensitive hearing and indestructible armored skin. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, girl. You can't even what? fight them. The Abbott family, wife Evelyn, which is Emily Blunt, husband Lee, which is John Krasinski, congenitally deaf daughter Regan, and sons Marcus and Bo, silently scavenge for supplies in a deserted town. While out in the open, the family communicates with American Sign Language, um, which I, you know, I may refer to hereafter as ASL, but that's American Sign Language. So, four-year-old Bo is drawn to a battery-powered space shuttle toy, but Lee takes it away due to the noise that it would make. Reagan returns the toy to Bo, uh, who also takes the batteries that his father removed from it. So, his dad, John Krasinski, had taken the batteries out and let him have the toy back, but without the batteries. Um, and the kid, um, which I'm like, like they, no, I want the batteries. They left this part out. Um, the daughter gave him the batteries. Because she was, like, oh. thinking, you know, like, oh, my brother deserves to have this toy that he wants. Um, but the deaf daughter is the one that gave him the batteries. Um, so they're walking along, and Bo activates the toy when the family is walking home and crossing a bridge, giving away his location to a nearby creature, which <gasps> kills him before Lee can <gasps> save him. The baby, <gasps> the little boy. The, the little one? Boy, the little one. Um, and that scene is awful, as you can imagine. But... You see that that's when you see the monster. Like, you see them right then. They literally, like, swoop in, and it's not even, like, it's just fast. It's just, like, whoop, you gone. That's a eat it And baby. they don't go for the rest of them? No, because they're not making any sound. The little boy is, like, at the back of the line, and, like, he puts the batteries in the toy. And the one closest to him is the daughter, who doesn't hear it because she's deaf. So when the toy goes off... The parents and the older son turn around, but they're further away. And the daughter sees them turn around and she turns around and sees that he's put the batteries back in. And John Krasinski like runs to go like try and grab the kid. And before he gets to the kid, one of the monsters swoops in and eats the baby, the four year old baby. And that's like the first 10 minutes. (laughs) She, what these movies? I mean, I guess they got to just drop you into it. So over a year later, Reagan struggles with the guilt over her brother's death because she's the one that gave him the batteries. Evelyn enters the final stages of pregnancy, which you know that's going to be trouble. And Lee fruitlessly tries to make radio contact with the outside world. Lee attempts to upgrade Reagan's cochlear implant with scavenged miniature amplifiers to restore her hearing, but the devices are ineffective. Later, Lee takes Marcus to a nearby river with a large waterfall to teach him to fish while Reagan visits Bo's memorial. Lee explains to Marcus that they're safe from the creatures in the presence of louder sounds as the sounds mask over their voices. So they talk a little bit when they're like behind a waterfall because they're like, they can't really hear us because there's a waterfall there. Marcus then reveals that Reagan blames herself for Bo's death and that uh, and she needs her father to tell her that he still loves her. Because he has, they've, like, been fighting, like, ever since her brother died. She's, like, going through it. As you can imagine. As Lee and Marcus head home from the river, they encounter an old man standing over the corpse of an old woman. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Presumably his wife, who has been disemboweled. Lee motions for the man to be silent. But you can tell he's, like, just found his wife. Yeah, and the, so he's about the man, to lose it. But the man immediately just, ah! oh, like he just starts screaming, God. right, attracting a creature. 
Lee picks up Marcus and runs as the creature kills the older man. They, uh, there's a part earlier in the movie, I was like, they don't mention this, they just mention the aftermath. There's a part earlier in the movie where, like, she's pulling laundry up and down the stairs, and something gets caught on a nail, and she, like, pulls it, and, like, like rips it a little bit, and she goes up, and the nail is, like, sticking up. And so you know, you're like, somebody's gonna uh, step, somebody's gonna step on that nail. Yes. And this whole movie is people trying to be quiet, and you're like, somebody's gonna step on this nail, and try not and to be scream. Like, and and she's pregnant. We know she's gonna have a baby, and they, she I can't know. make noise. Like, what's gonna that happen? part is in the trailer, right? Um. So alone at the house, Evelyn goes into labor. While making her way to the basement, she steps on the exposed nail. Mm, in she pain, does. she accidentally drops a glass picture frame and alerts <gasps> a nearby creature. <gasps> Evelyn flips a switch that changes the exterior house lights to red as a danger signal to the others and struggles to remain silent during her contractions. <laughs> Arriving at the farm and seeing the lights, Lee instructs Marcus to set off fireworks as a diversion. Arriving at the house, Lee finds Evelyn hiding in the bathroom with their newborn son, along with Evelyn, uh, which she was able to scream because all the fireworks were going off. Yeah. So she has her baby in the tub and she's like, ah, but like nobody can, they can't hear her because of all the fireworks. Yeah. And there's tons of them just going off everywhere. Uh, so Lee finds Evelyn hiding in the bathroom with their newborn son and along with Evelyn makes his way to their improvised soundproof basement. Lee leaves the leaves to find the other children, promising Evelyn that he will protect them. Evelyn then falls asleep, but soon wakes to discover that the barn basement is flooded with water from a broken pipe and that a creature <gasps> has found its way inside the basement hallway. <gasps> Reagan, hurrying back to the farm, takes refuge atop a grain silo with Marcus, lighting a fire to alert their father of their whereabouts. However, they run out of lighter fluid and the fire dies before they can attract Lee's attention. Oh no. A hatch door then suddenly gives way and Marcus <gasps> falls into the silo. The sound of the door falling distracts no! the creature that was stalking Evelyn and targets okay, Marcus but... and Regan. No, no. Regan, who has jumped in after Marcus, sinks into the corn and nearly suffocates, but Marcus saves her. Regan's cochlear implant reacts to the proximity of the creature by emitting a high-frequency giraffe oh, sound no. that drives it away. That drives it away. Oh! The children proceed to escape from the silo and reunite with their father. The creature returns, attacking and wounding Lee. While Marcus and Regan hide in a pickup truck, after seeing his, his father wounded, Marcus shouts impulsively, attracting the creature to the truck. Oh, no! Due to its unpleasant sound, Regan turns her cochlear implant off at this time, unaware of the fact that it could have potentially driven the creature away because she didn't hear the sound it made. Yeah. Lee signs the, to Regan that he loves her and he always has before yelling to draw the creature away from oh. his children. The creature, hearing Lee's voice, attacks and kills him. Oh, no, Jim. That's, that's John Krasinski. Yep. No, Jim, no. Regan and Marcus roll the truck down a hill to escape and reunite with Evelyn and the baby at the farmhouse. The four then retreat to the house's basement. When the creature returns, Regan, who realizes that the sound made by the implant distresses the creature, switches the device back on and places it on a nearby microphone, amplifying the feedback. Painfully disoriented, the creature exposes the flesh beneath its armored head, allowing Evelyn to fatally shoot it with a shotgun. The family How did views... she end up 
finding that that's what her implant did. Because she was thinking about what happened earlier and like what when it ran away. Okay. And she, okay. And she's like, maybe it was this. Um, the family views the CCTV monitor showing two creatures attracted by the noise of the shotgun blast approaching the house. With their newly acquired knowledge of the creature's weakness, the members of the family arm themselves and prepare to fight back. And that's the end of the movie. And that's the end of the movie. Oh, so you don't know if they even win or not. I feel like it's assumed that they do. Yeah. But we lose John Krasinski. We do lose John Krasinski. Damn. And that baby at the beginning. Yeah, but she had another baby. She did. She did have another baby. <laughs> she replaced that baby. Um. So the production of this movie, um, the budget was $17 million. And it made the, way more than that. The box office made $340.9 million. Wow. Krasinski wrote the screenplay with Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Beck and Woods grew up together in Iowa and watched numerous silent films in college. They began working on the story that led to the film. They used their experience growing up close to farmland as the setting, including the grain silo, as a place considered dangerous in their upbringing. Um, during filming, the crew avoided making noise, so di- so I can never say this word right, um, diegetic synchronized sounds, which is the sound of rolling dice on a game board, uh, could be recorded. Like, all those little sounds. Because they, mm-hmm. when they play games and stuff, like, they had, like, a little mat that they rolled stuff on, so, like, things didn't make noise, right? Yeah. The sounds were amplified in post-production. A traditional musical score was also added, which Krasinski justified in wanting audiences to remain familiar with watching a mainstream film and not feeling like part of a silence experiment. Supervising sound editors Eric Endel and Ethan Vanderen worked on A Quiet Place. For scenes from the perspective of the deaf daughter, sound was removed to put greater focus on the visual. They also advised on organizing shots to reflect the creature's perspective, like showing them noticing a sound, then showing what was causing the sound. Composer Marco Beltrami provided the sound editor's music to work with in a way that would not interfere with the sound design throughout the film. In the film, creatures are blind and communicate through clicking sounds. Adol and Vanderen said that they were inspired by animal echolocation, such as that employed by bats. The sound of feedback, normally avoided by sound editors, was woven into the story at a loudness level that would not bother audiences so much. The characters communicate with ASL to avoid making sounds, so the filmmakers hired deaf mentor Douglas Ridloff to teach ASL to the actors and to be available to make corrections. They also hired an ASL interpreter for the deaf actress, um, Simmons, so that spoken and sign language could be interpreted back and forth on set. Simmons grew up with ASL and she helped teach her fellow actors how to sign. She said in the movie, we've been, we've been signing together for years and years, so it should look fluent. (laughs) She observed that each character's use of sign language reflected his or her motivations. The father had short and brief signs, which showed his survival mentality, while the mother had more expressive signs as part of wanting her children to experience more than survival. Krasinski said that Simmons character used signing that's very defiant. It's very teenage defiant. Mm-hmm. I remember reading this stuff and thinking it was really cool. Uh, sign language really fascinates me. Simmons said that she suggested for the daughter to rebel rather than cower during a sign language fight with her father. She also said that the script originally had the father sign, I love you, at his daughter at the end of the film, but she suggested for him to follow with, I've always loved you, to make up for their arguing earlier in the film. 
I remember, yeah, reading that it was really collaborative still like, yeah. with the with the cast, which I think is really cool. Right. I thought that was super Especially neat. That um, I think it really paid off. It was, uh, it was a cool movie. I liked it. Uh, even if you've heard all this, you know, maybe you'll watch it. Yeah. I was like, I... It was on my list of maybe to watch, but of course I need to do it in the daytime with a friend, not yeah. by myself. I, I would watch it again. It was good. All right. I'd watch it with All you. Right. All right. Um, but so far, do you already feel like you synced it? I think I feel like I synced it. I synced it. I don't know if I want to see Jim die, but I also have a mogwai who's right here on my dick wanting dinner. Yeah, you do. Yeah, and you he do. he just made noise. Sorry for all of the mogwai noises and I synced it, guys. Mogwai synced it, too. I was checking the microphone again. Well, Sarah, that is a quiet place. Well, Stephanie, we did it. We did Not it. Not quietly, we'll, but we we'll see did what it. happens. We'll see if it works. <laughs> oh, guys, we are real jaded. Ooh, it's been a tough one. It's been a tough one, but we're gonna make it, it has work. Been quite the two weeks with this. Well, thank you guys so much for being Patreon subscribers. We appreciate you. We really, you. really appreciate you. Thank yeah. you for all your love. And of course, you should email us at deadtimestories at yeah, cause it's been a rough gmail.com and tell us that you like us, even though it's been it's been tough out here for a pimp. Been real tough out here for a pimp. I'm Stephanie. I'm Sarah. And, and this, this is, is I, I Seen it. it. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye.